Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep it real. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. And we're back. HBI podcast, health, business, and in between. Uh, we are down one this week. Mr. Mina. Mina the Maya has not been joining us uh, for reasons that are yet to become clear. Uh, Mina, we're watching you to see if you're going to be a lifelong member of this tribe. But no, nah, and all jokes aside, the man's got shit on. So the dream team's back. The man, the myth has returned from Singapore, Mr. Dan Kirkbride. Uh, for those wondering, he was not there to get a bride, but simply to uh, have a good holiday. Two. So, two brides. Two <clears throat> Kirkbrides? I don't know where I'm going with that. All right. Before this descends into any more stupidity, this is going to be, in a weird way, I guess almost a follow-up episode to one we did a while back on picking courses and CPD. But... Coming from different avenue and what I like to call the is the juice worth the squeeze episode. So we were having a quick chat off uh, before we started recording today about the idea that there is a million and one different things you can do in practice or add to practice or learn. And often there has to come into that consideration is the juice worth the squeeze and both from a ethical point of view in terms of will it enhance patient outcomes? And then of course, a business point of view, is, is it economically viable for you? Because you can have the best, like, you can have the best intentions, but if you can't keep the lights on, you're worthless, right? And this is where I think a lot of, especially students, get misconstrued with the university system because it's kind of like, you've got to find that fine line between good in business and running a good business, right? Mm. You can't give from the empty plate. So one of the discussions we are having before, I went and did my dry needling course a couple of weeks ago, really enjoyed it. And it was definitely something for me that was more of a learning experience than it was an intention to bring into practice. I've had plenty of it on my own body. I was always interested yeah. in the processes and learning, bit of updating on some anatomy. A nice to know but, kind of skill. Yeah. But is it viable to put into my practice? And one of the things I've had to sit down and look at is actually it would be, it's an addition where I could provide different outcomes for people. But at the moment, if I actually truly look at it, from a pure business point of view, it would actually inhibit my ability to continue to grow because it requires more time. And therefore, where I might normally be able to see two, three people, I'll now only be able to see one. So it becomes a, like... More of a burden. Yeah. Well, like, again, it becomes something that it has to then come with, and I can explain later on what I've sort of, how I'm going to tackle it. But it becomes something that, yeah, have to go, all right, how does this become a viable option because I want to perhaps offer it to patients, but I don't want to then inhibit our business's ability to grow. So with that in mind, I think we should run through a bit of the core big things that what are the big things that people always want to add to their practice and the considerations that come with it. So obviously I've just talked about adding another skill, um, whether it's cupping, whether it's needling, whether it's whatever, how do you make that viable? Ben, lead us in. I'm just going to quickly expand on what you're saying. You said, you know, is it considerations for new skills or new services to add or whatever it may be to your business from an employer or employer perspective? 
I think it, the other thing to consider is you got the ethical considerations and you got, uh, is it viable? And three, are you interested or passionate about that? Because the passion and interest, in my opinion, can trump, you know, financial sort of viability because you probably yeah are interested in that and that in my opinion you know whether you're an employer or an employee should strongly sort of direct what you want to do but there's a big difference between being running a successful business with every service under the sun and then or running a successful business with uh, several services and you know that you only do i think and then that should also direct um professional development and you know mentorships and that sort of thing is what Dan can really tap into. But um, you don't want to be one of those guys who A offers every service and then as I said, you know, might go bankrupt. Or you don't want to be one of those uh, practitioners who does every course and becomes a course junkie and then mm. has a thousand different skill sets, um, jack of all trades, master of none type situation. And you know, it's like, oh well that was a waste of time or a waste of money. And they touched on that before off camera was like um, opportunity lost. If you spent X amount of time doing the course or you spent X amount of dollars, it's like, well, you know, in hindsight, that could have been a, a better choice. And I guess that's what we're going to try to talk about today is just more objectively look at things and say, you know, a lot of us have learned experientially, you know, I've done courses where I go, well, that was pretty shit or it was very underwhelming or I've, you know, thought about like we're introducing strength and conditioning one-on-one uh, -on -one or group training here at this new space from Remedy Grounds in South Melbourne. But now I'm much the same as you looking at, all right, how is this going to actually mechanically work? Like what are we going to charge for it? Is it we're going to charge probably less dollar per minute than what we're actually doing in the clinic. But however, it's going to add a lot more enjoyment to my staff and their appreciation for the job and their enjoyment of the job so that it might actually go a little bit backwards financially but if we run a group obviously more viable but um you know the trade-off is my guys are going to like their job even better so yeah. things to consider yeah better client outcomes yeah exactly right so i think there's sort of three avenues then if we go back to a thing so it's like as an individual practitioner as a team of practitioners and then like you said from a passion project point of view right like because again if you're passionate about a thing you're going to want to do it anyway and so if you truly love it and enjoy it then there's no you know the opportunity cost is worthwhile right like if you absolutely love fire cupping needling strength and condition whatever it is and it's something that you spend hours learning well then you might as well bring it in in saying that, there are different ways to bring things in, right? So as a prime example, I always come back to strength and conditioning or like tr rehab training. So I see a lot of clinics across all of our disciplines that put a full gym set up in. Now, if I think about that from a purely business point of view, there's a huge amount of space that often has to go to that. So that will limit your ability to grow your team in terms of practitioners. So there is an opportunity cost just for the spacing, right? Not to mention the cost of the equipment and things like that. Space utilization. Yeah, exactly, right? All per square you're meter, always, whatever. Yeah. yeah, you're always going to, from a business point of view, generally make more from a practitioner than you are from yeah. the gym space. But Great. we move up. So there we go. All right, so space is the first consideration. Second consideration is the appropriateness. And this is one of those constant discussions we have that uh, the majority of health practitioners have no right to be taking people through strength and conditioning of health. 
just because you went to uni does not mean you know what you're talking about. And in fact, I would argue that because you went to uni, <laughs> most of you don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, is it designed that way or what? <laughs> oh, mate, I don't know, honestly. Like, again, it comes back to that idea of like yeah. 10 to 20 years to transfer to actual training. But even if you do know what you're talking about, right? So let's say you do know what you're talking about. My experience of what I've seen in the industry in general, there are some people doing a fantastic job of it, but we'll go as a more of a collective unity. Like Dan. People, yeah, Dan doing a fantastic job. So people then, so if your standard appointment used to be 15 to 20 minutes, you're now going to do strength and conditioning, you're now doing half an hour to 45s. What yeah. I tend to see is people not well. charging for that extra time, right? So yeah. you use the char- you're charging the same for almost double your time. So that's a huge consideration. The other side of that is most people even when they do charge, charge less than the average PT. So my local area PT, depending on whether you're north in the Golden Triangle or south, is anywhere from probably 100 to 120 a session. Uh, And then I see a lot of chiros, osteos, physios charging 80, 85 for a session. So you, again, like we discussed, you may not make you the right person for the job, but if you've spent three, four, five, six years at university, again, we come back to the opportunity cost. So you couldn't work full time. You couldn't make money while you're doing that as well. And yet someone who's done a cert three and four, and I, this is with all love to our PTs because they're absolute weapons, but from an opportunity cost, that's far lower. And yet they are charging more than you. Is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Like, again, if you're just passionate about it, then you probably need to sit down and have a, like a heartfelt discussion with yourself about your value. But if you're not even that passionate about it, why are you doing it? Dan. Devil's advocate though. I would argue, yep. and again, no disrespect, but if you're actually not great at what you do in terms of the SNC side of things, are you actually worth $120? And is the PT worth more than you, even though you went to uni for five years? Because I would say like, but then that the, the view I see is, well, if, you're, if you don't have the skill set, the passion, the knowledge in SNC exercise prescription PT, then I wouldn't see an issue if you're only charging 80 bucks an hour, 80 bucks an hour in comparison to an osteopath, because although the osteopath or chiro physio has a five-year degree and a piece of paper, they have a five-year degree and a piece of paper in something that's completely unrelated to exercise rehab because we don't do any of it at uni. So I would argue a PT that has a six-month degree but is an expert in that field is probably higher qualified in the specific area of exercise prescription SSC than an allied health pro who has a degree, but the degree doesn't go into that specific area. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But then your point is, well, then the opportunity cost is if you're that osteophysio and you don't have a high level enough skill set where you don't have the confidence in yourself to charge more than a PT, well, then that highlights one of two things. One, you shouldn't be doing it and you should just charge for osteopathy services. Um, or two, then that should highlight the fact that that's where you should be investing your time and money and effort into your personal development to get to the level where you definitely should be charging more than the PT because now you've got expertise in anatomy, biomechanics and your background as a practitioner and the expertise of programming exercise prescription. So you're either charging 150, 200 for the session because you're charging 90 bucks, 100 bucks for a half an hour session as an osteo. So you're either charging 200 bucks an hour for a one hour PT and charging what you're worth and you back yourself and you have the confidence and skill set to deliver that. Or you're charging 80, 100 because you don't back yourself and clearly that shows that you, 
you think you have you don't have the knowledge gap or maybe there's obviously some self-confidence self-worth issues but that's another podcast yeah, many but, variables but yeah, yeah it's one of the two situations i feel you either charge what you're worth and you have the skill set to back it up or you charge that and that's fine i would argue i've said to a few of my guys i mentor that yeah 80 bucks an hour is significantly less and it's a backward step in business but if that's something you want to get good at then you need to start somewhere and starting lower than a PT might hurt your ego, but it's probably not a bad place to start because it means you can actually build up your skill set in an environment that isn't so um, so much pressure because if you're charging $150, $200 for a session, that's a lot of pressure. Like before, the more you charge, the more responsibility and the more pressure mm-hmm. you put on yourself. So I don't have any issues with allied health pros charging less than PTs if the circumstances are like that because then it means that they're recognizing where they're at and if they're in that phase of like building themselves up and building their skill set then it's like when i started pt in the backyard and i was charging 40 bucks you know um let me let me challenge that for one moment do you think that's the mindset that most people that are charging that are coming from that they are trying to do it to develop their skills to get better or do you just think that's it no yeah so again i like i 100 percent agree you're bang on right like the subtlety there still comes back to the, if it's something you want to get really good at and it's part of a pathway of development, it's mm. appropriate. Yes. If it's something you're just being made to do in your, for who you work for, or you think you are obliged to do it and you have no love for it and you're just charging less because you don't like it, then yes. why not just drop it and like use the rest of it? Like, it's kind of like, I often <laughs> and now find it analogous to when I see chirophysiology my where it's like time-based appointments where it's like you've done everything this person needs they've still got like 10 minutes left on their appointment times so you see people just sit there basically like gently working through a ql or a glute just to kill mm-hmm. time right it's just like if you're still working on a time-based appointment <clears throat> i don't feel like that's healthcare because healthcare is about deliverables it's sort of like yeah you have to book people for a certain amount of time but only you should really know the way your booking time goes and those people get what they need, not just, I got 10 minutes left. Can you just rub out my quad? Um, Again, I'm going off subject there, but I think you made a really valuable point with, it comes back to passion on there. Right. And again, I think Ben, we really should hit that point you made before in terms of about your team. Right. Because even if you're not passionate about it, but your team is, Mm. we all know the best thing, for your workplace, for your business is people working with you long-term, right? The worst thing that can happen for your business is someone leaving. And again, some people will naturally leave. It's part of the deal, but it's heartbreaking. and It's usually disruptive. If you've got a, you know, an employee, an associate that like, is like, I really want to do rehab or I really want to do needling, or I really want to do advanced biomechanical correction. Come hang out in the car well with all that cool, funny names, um, all those kind of things. And it doesn't feel like it would detract from your business's vision or mission. Then why not encourage them to do that? You know what I mean? Like, again, it kind of comes back to the idea of happy wife, happy life, right? Like, if you keep yourself happy, they're going to keep you happy. Yeah, agreed. Um, and that's something else to consider more from, I guess, an employer perspective. And an employee perspective, because you can always introduce the topic to your boss or whatever, and you should have that liberty where you work that you, you know, like you put together a good argument if you're going to approach your, your boss and go, Hey, I want to do this, and this is how I think I should be doing it. And you present a bit of a plan and a bit of a A to Z on how you think it will look. 
that's going to be much more um, receptive to the to the boss or the employer than you know oh, you know off <clears throat> off the cuff conversation oh we should just do this it's just like well rather than lumping more on my plate can you like put together a bit of a plan and we might put you in like in charge of organizing it and integrating it with what we do and that way you you're giving not only more responsibility to your employees, but you're giving them a bit of freedom, a bit of liberty, and then they get a bit of a taste of maybe what it might be like in a managerial type position. So it's a good, great opportunity, I believe. But yeah, you, you guys touched on some good things. Um, as I said, Nate, happy wife, happy life, you know, thereabouts and truth to that, you know, and, and, and it's very painful if you were to lose someone like your staff members, for example, for some some reason that maybe have would have been in your control you know you know different story people are moving into state or they've had enough of the job they're changing careers whatever but if you're losing a staff member because someone's just headhunted them and offered them more money like in my opinion no you there's probably somewhere along the line you could have intervened as the employer or manager or whatever and just say hey are you happy with your job is there an opportunity to even come speak to your employer about these things and express these types of feelings so um yeah long story short you know i think you you employ people based on a certain reason and then obviously if they've got certain strengths then you play to those strengths so even with us we're like even non-clinical stuff it's like Rulan loves building content entertaining content funny content so i'm like well let's start doing some more of that at work you know that could potentially yield more clients or more views or whatever but like in the day it's going to make you happier and um, you know, more content with your job. So I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, value in, in, in looking to what your team actually wants to do and then implementing those types of things or services. And then obviously yeah. you've got the other flip of the coin is, is the financial viability of certain things. Yeah. Dan sounds like he wants to say something. So I'm going to lead him in. Because it's too late to open the can of worms. Um, I think no, we'll probably talk about this in other episodes, but I mean, I think some of it comes down to then, like what we were saying before about, you know, if you don't feel, if you're not passionate about it, you don't feel like it's your skill set. Um, you know, I don't know if it's an ego thing. It could be an ego thing, but it could also be like a pressure thing. Like if you're someone who works for yourself, maybe it's an ego thing and you feel like you have to do everything and it's an inability to uh, sort of outsource some of that responsibility and, uh, and network with people and, you know, obviously have the best interest of their client at heart rather than trying to do everything on your own. So, in that situation, you know, looking at it and going opportunity costs per se of, you know, me, yes, you can make an extra 90 bucks by taking on that client as a PT session, or you could, you know, refer that person to someone and they can also get an amazing result. And now you free up an hour of your time. And in an hour of your time, you could do two or three sessions, which actually means you're making more money. So from a business point of view, it's more profitable, makes sense, tick. Then from a client outcomes point of view, you're the expert in this area. You've referred to an expert in that area tick for the client you've also just networked and created a joint venture or a collaboration with someone and a network in the, in, uh, in the industry in the area tick so for me that would make a lot more win, sense win win yeah. um and then the same if it was like you know if it was an employee working and they felt like they were pressured because the boss wants them to do stuff and that's different stories but i feel like um if it's more of an ego thing of like i have i have the degree i'm the one who has to do everything you know i can't trust pts or pts are terrible which you know is still a mindset of a lot of practitioners we think uh, you know, we don't obviously think that, but a lot of, you know, practitioners are very old school still and still tend to think the PTs just break people. So I think being open-minded and actually networking with the PTs in your area and trying to find that gem because there's a lot of them out there and then having that 
you know, tick, tick, tick relationship where everyone wins will uh, be a lot more beneficial than trying to do everything on your own. Mm. And you have, uh, nice. you've let in my, what I was about to say, you have dropped the mic on it. Ooh. And that's the lateral step, right? Like this mm. is the third way you can look at stuff is going, all right, well, here's something that I <clears throat> could be passionate about. I'm really excited for, I believe my patients, clients would benefit from, but it's not potentially a viable thing for me to instigate. Mm. How do I provide it? take that step laterally without it inhibiting me so yeah one of the main things is having a referral network right like again i feel extremely confident to offer training advice to to if i was to pt people but it's not part of my model mm. so i work with probably the better part of 20 30 different gyms trainers in all across western australia to find the best people to get people the best results and as a byproduct of that i've built relationships that refer back to me so i free time build business and build long-term relationships in terms of using strength and conditioning in the clinic. I realized my best opportunity was in providing programming for like warm-ups, cool-downs, rehab to go to, and I do do some full programming, but I don't spend a lot of time on that because it is huge energy cost. And most people at the start aren't ready for that stuff. So it's like, you're still using the skill, you're working with other people and you're still demonstrating it without having to probably put too much time into it. Yeah. Number three, there's then other ways. So the way we come back to where this all started from my mind with the addition of dry needling, the way I have, or I believe I will instigate it is I will create a special dry needling appointment, which will be an extended appointment, which will come with an increased cost, but it can only be booked at the discretion of the practitioner. So if I'm working with someone and I'm like, this isn't, you know, improving the rate that I want, I would like to do dry needling on your next session. We would need to book that. We need to book it at my non-peak times and it's going to cost this much. Conditional. So yeah. So it can't be booked by the patient. It's also for a specific region. So if I'm like, all right, there's some low back issues here. We're seeing a bit of like trochanteritis. I'm going to run some needling through this region. They can't then be like, oh, why we're here? Can you hit my shoulders, my quads? And it's no, we're doing this for this region. Because people do get really obsessive on things. And they're just like, can I have it everywhere, right? Like I want to be a hedgehog. Whereas in my case, it's like condition specific. And that's a way for me to be able to put it in viably, provide the service without really affecting my bottom line. And then if someone does just want a proverbial shit ton of needling, I have about 10 different people. I'm just going to be like, you know what? I don't offer that. I'm going to refer you to joey to callan to all these different people that i work with because that's where they really lean in on mm. and that way again they get what they want but it doesn't diminish my service yeah very strategic uh implementation i think that anyway if you sit down long enough you can work out logistics of how to schedule how much time this takes obviously nate you would go through your um uh, learning stages you know it'll take you a little while to get like fucking really really good at it uh, depending on what you're doing, but that will also... Wait, what? <laughs> what, you don't mean I'm just, I am just haven't already mastered it because I've got the certificate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how much informal training you've done. So you might already be a fucking gun at it. Who knows? But anyway, those are things to consider because the longer session, you know, for a noob, will, you know, obviously makes sense and a shorter session for a master makes sense as well. But I think you raised some good points, integration there, and even that rings some bells of me with some of the strength and conditioning. And even Dan, what you said as well, on um, 
ego or, or some form of psychological maybe variable at play why people might not charge x amount for their sessions um because i'm currently implementing the snc here and i'm, I'm hitting guys you know, well look i charge this much for my physiotherapy session and i don't really want to take a step backwards even though it's different work it's you know less labor intensive whatever but still it's the time that it takes yeah. so you know i've even considered <clears throat> doing it less than what my, I would charge in a physiotherapy session for myself just to get more clients through the door. But I'm like, well, if I'm going to offer X, Y, and Z and the program is going to be this, it's going to take this long to, as you said, Nathan, it's a big energy cost to all right, program really like tailored for the person, all things considered. You know, we might add in another service that is like a, a metric collecting, collecting appointment where you might be scanning, you know, anatomically what each joint's doing you might do power testing you might use the accident technology whatever it may be but you're collecting these metrics to really check the objectivity and the um, effectiveness of your programming but yeah. <clears throat> sorry or you might just hire an ex-fizz and hand it down to them that's right and the other thing you know if you want to go down this long route of all right i've got to learn this to then teach my team but it's like, well, if we run a mentoring days, we just get a person who's good at this. They come in and teach yeah. you or we hire or we outsource, like Dan said. Yeah. No, <clears throat> outsourcing I think that's, the right person for the job. Yeah, outsourcing for the win. Now, listen, I think that's, hopefully that's been a bit of a uh, challenge for the mind this morning, which is what we aim to do here is to get you thinking. Like I said, there's no right or wrong today. It's just simply, you know, especially as a business owner, but even as an employee, because most of us want to be, most of you would want to be business owners one day is having that mindset around every decision, what is the long-term viability and are you doing it because you feel like you should or because you love doing it. If you have got something from today, as always, grab a screenshot, throw it on the gram, tag us in it. We absolutely love to see it. Apparently, you all loved our posture episode the other week. I don't know why that's still such a uh, controversial topic, but uh, we are open. So if there is something you would like to know about, hit us up. Hit us up. We're very happy to uh, vent your opinions. Uh, But otherwise, please, wherever you get your podcast, leave us a five-star review, and I'm sure the whole team will be back ready to rock and roll next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you, guys.